Hi there everyone, it's great to be here again and to finish off this series on generosity. We've been talking about a culture of generosity and this is part three of that message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you're imparting. We thank you that you're a generous God, you're El Shaddai, you're the full-breasted one, you're the God who's more than enough. And so we open our hearts to you and we ask, Lord, that you'll impart, you'll impart an aspect of that, a dimension of that, so that we may walk in generosity. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, we're feeling so blessed. We celebrated last weekend uh, 11 years as Go Christian Church. We had a powerful service, uh, powerful services really, and uh, also great testimonies that came through. So thank you, those of you who've been a part of this journey with us, who've been generous toward us in this journey. We so appreciate it. I've shared with you so far 13 different things that generous people do differently. And today I'm going to continue with the 14th one. Generous people give to their family members. Generous people give to their family members. This is so important. We've emphasized different types of giving, but I want to talk about this because those in our family very often are our responsibility. We need to take responsibility for those who are dependent on us. You can't be giving to the poor at the same time not taking care of your family members. You see, when we do not provide for our family, our children can grow up resenting the gospel. We can preach to them, we can discipline them, we can say, come to church with us. But when they don't see a heart full of generosity, they can end up resenting the gospel. The very nature of the gospel is that it's generous. The gospel is generous to undeserving people. And one of the things we tend to do in family settings, we start playing God. You know, this person deserves, this one doesn't. All right. Don't do that. Just ask the Lord, Lord, how can I be a faithful steward of the resources that you've given me? And I'm not talking just about your nuclear family. I'm also talking about your extended family. And I'm not talking about being manipulated into giving because we've already spoken about this, that there's no reward there. We're talking about being a cheerful giver, seeing how, yes, you want to be successful, but how can you bring up everyone else around you so that they also become successful? You're not responsible for their success, but when God has blessed you, you can create an environment, you can create a climate where others around you will also become successful instead of pulling each other down. It's so sad how much division is in families today. Some people have many children, some of which are not from their current wife, and they choose not to take care of those children, which is wrong which is really wrong. And often they'll come up with all sorts of excuses, you know, oh, it's their mother doesn't want me to be involved or this or that. Find ways of looking after those people that God has given you responsibility over. Okay. We must not neglect our responsibilities. Um, let me show you this in scripture. First Timothy five verse eight says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is, this is a statement and we can't run away from these scriptures. I know there's a lot of abuse. 
I know there are a lot of people who manipulate and use all sorts of trickery and so on. But this is what the Bible says. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You see, in those times, they would look after widows, widows and orphans, but they would actually do certain um, approval processes for them to actually say, is this a real widow? Has this person actually got a family, you know? Uh, oh, they've got a family, they've got a son, they've got a brother, they've got these people. Why aren't these people doing something about it, right? Um, and then only those who are considered real widows in the sense of um, uh, widows, and they would also speak a lot about orphans, those who literally had no one to support them. Then they would say, okay, the church now can get involved here. But other than that, they would encourage family members to step in. And that's why when we are growing our businesses, when we're trusting God for more, we need to be saying, Lord, I'm believing you for this project. Lord, I'm believing you for this promotion so that I can also assist those around me. Could it be that we can end up giving the church of Jesus Christ a bad name, an actual bad name, because we're not fulfilling our basic responsibilities? You know, it's so sad when people become famous and they become very wealthy and the world looks and says, yeah, but look at the situation your mother's in. Look at the situation your brother's in. All right. Um, and I'm not saying that when you get manipulated by your relatives, you must always say yes to them. OK, you do what you can, even if it's just a little bit. All right. But you must take care of what God has given you responsibility over. And it's not necessarily every single person in your family. All right. In your extended family. But the Lord will speak to you about this. Right. We are called to give of ourselves financially, emotionally, spiritually, in many different ways. OK. Uh, your children should not feel insecure because they're fearful when they're around you. Are you giving to them emotionally? Are you giving them that warmth that children need? Children need love. Parents need respect. But children really need love. They need love as they're growing up. Right? It is your responsibility to affirm and to validate them. As fathers, we are responsible to some extent for giving our kids identity. Okay, there's the role of the father in imparting identity to the kids, right? Uh, the voice of the parents speaks worth into their children. And I can go deep into this where we talk about the role of a mom with her sons, for example, and what she can draw out of them. It's so important. You see, the personalities that are formed, right, that human beings have are formed in those first 10 years of a child's life. Okay, and they're influenced greatly by their parents and also by their siblings, especially older siblings, right? And <clears throat> you see, giving is not just financial. Giving is not just financial. As a husband, are you giving tenderness to your wife? Wives, are you providing your husbands with emotional intimacy that they require? You see, a lot of us are good at giving our best to our workplace. And then if we're honest with ourselves, our families get the leftovers. God has called us to be generous generous with your time you know very often we get so busy and we say i'm providing i'm the provider are you generous with your time you might be generous with your money but are you generous with your time are you generous with your emotions are you generous with your hugs are you generous with your affection when it comes to your family this is so crucial you know we need to be generous be generous with compliments 
and communication of appreciation as opposed to saying she's just doing her duty very often we don't communicate appreciation because we're like well it cancels each other out they cancel the, themselves out because i'm doing this and she's doing that no communicate appreciation even for the small things it's so important you see and there are many reasons why people do not communicate appreciation. You might have come from a background where you're told just work hard, just work hard and don't expect anything in return. And so you've been hardened with regards to that. So in the same way that you can cope without appreciation, you end up being like that to the people around you. It's important to be generous with our words, with our compliments, with our emotions, with our affection and with our finances. You see, I always say this, that a lot of people are very good at preparing to go to work. Few people are good at preparing to go home. I want you to just reflect on this for a while and ask yourself, am I generous with my family members? Am I generous with my family members? I know that there's tough love. I know that there's a place for saying, you know what? This person needs to grow up. This person needs to actually learn to uh, fend for themselves because they're idle. And the, you see, there's Bible balance here because the Bible talks about that also, right? But we're saying in principle, are you taking care of that which God has given you stewardship over? The 15th thing that generous people do differently is that generous people give from a grateful heart. Have you noticed that when you're full of gratitude towards the Lord, and towards those around you it's easier to give there's a link between gratitude and generosity in the book of psalms 116 verse 12 david said what shall i return to the lord for all his goodness to me when you don't have a revelation of god's goodness to you you won't return anything to the lord but David here was thinking in terms of his offerings, right? And in scripture, if you look in the Old Testament, there were different types of offerings. But one of them was a thank offering, a thank offering where you're acknowledging the good things God has done and stemming from that revelation of his goodness, you then also give. You see, it is easy to give when you're grateful and you know that God has blessed you. When you're filled with gratitude, it is easy to give and to be thankful for being blessed. When you have a revelation of how good God has been to you, you tend to give, don't you? And you know what? It's the same when you have a revelation of people's goodness around you, right? Um, sadly, many people have perceptual distortions. Remember, we spoke about that in the identity series. Perceptual distortions that everyone around them is out to get them. Now, if you think like that, they all are, they are all out to get me. You're going to be very self-protective. You're going to always be guarded. And so it's difficult to be generous when you have that particular outlook on life. So sometimes we need to actually press pause and just reflect on God's goodness. My wife preached a powerful message on remembrance last week. And she was talking about the, the, the link between what we remember and then what we give thanks for. And sometimes we fail to give thanks. We fail to be grateful because we have forgotten. Like the children of Israel would forget about God's goodness. Just take time to think, how good has God been to me? And then take time to reflect on how good the people around you have been to you. And then begin to have this gratitude well up in you and think to yourself, what can I do for some of these people? And this is not about payback. This is about just recognizing that, God, you've been so good to me as an act of thanksgiving, as an act of uh, being fully grateful. I also want to be generous. 
you see. So that's where David said, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? Now we can never outgive God, can we? We can't outgive him. So it's not really God, I'm paying you back for you did A, B, C, D, but it's stemming from a grateful heart. We're saying here's a thank offering. I want to encourage you to practice that. You know, uh, maybe you've had a breakthrough in business, you know, uh, just sow some kind of seed of thanksgiving. Sow some kind of thank offering saying, I'm acknowledging the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord, for this. You know, it could be to your local church. It could be just giving someone something as an act of thanksgiving. Sometimes it's good to practice this on an annual basis, to actually have it as a ritual where you do it at a certain time of the year, where you're saying, we're having a thanksgiving service now. Let's use it as a time to give a thank offering. It's so important. As a family, you could sit down and actually say, right, this is the date we set aside each year and it's a time of thanksgiving. The 16th thing that generous people do differently is that generous people give to their enemies. And it's so amazing when you really study generosity in depth, you start seeing that there's no wriggle room. You know, there's no excuse. You know, sometimes we've got this thing of like, oh, God understands. I can't give to those people. I can't give to that person. Oh, those family members, you know, oh, God understands. But you know what? He also calls us to give to our enemies. And what I've observed is that a lot of people uh, in a self-righteous way will say, you know what, I didn't uh, take revenge on that person. That person did A, B, C, D, and so I leave them in God's hands, right? Now, here's the thing. God doesn't command us to just leave people alone when they've hurt us. The Bible actually says, do good to those who persecute you. The Bible says, pray for those who hurt you. There's something active we have to do coming in the opposite spirit toward our enemies and i believe that it's partly it's partly so that we don't end up having any bitterness within us so it's not just about remaining in some neutral state saying well lord i didn't kill them i didn't kill them off so i'm righteous no he says do good to those who persecute you in matthew 5 uh, verse 40 to 44 it says and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt hand over your coat as well if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, this is what they would do, right? Back in the day, in the time of uh, when Jesus was here on the earth, remember they were under the Romans and the Roman soldiers would literally abuse people this way and force them to do various things. And this is what Jesus was teaching. Then he goes and say, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But look what Jesus comes with. This is new covenant. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Isn't that so powerful? Love your enemies. And this is very much a doing thing. Can you see the build up toward this is what do you do to your enemies? What do you do for your enemies? And then he, he states that this is about love. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So I want to encourage you to do that. Okay. Who is the last person who's been persecuting you this week? Pray for them. Who's that person who's been bullying you in the workplace? Pray for them. Who's that person who you just uh, really dislike and you almost sometimes wish evil on them? Bible says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. <clears throat> now, you know you're a generous person when you give 
wholeheartedly to your enemies. You see, this totally goes against the flesh, doesn't it? Okay. Yet God calls us to show love to our enemies. Even when people come to you with wrong motives, you can choose to be a blessing to them because you desire to bless those who curse you. Okay. This could be uh, that person uh, that hates you, or it could even be a person who's envious towards you at work. Come in the opposite spirit. That's spiritual warfare. Many people think spiritual warfare is just about casting out demons. Very often the warfare we are called to is when we come in the opposite spirit. When people are arrogant around us, we become extra humble. Right? We come in the opposite spirit to deal with that spirit of pride. The sad thing is, very often when people come in arrogance, we get into the flesh and we're arrogant toward them. Right? You can't actually overcome a spirit that you are patronizing yourself. You can't overcome a spirit and fully deal with it if you are also carrying it yourself. You must come in the opposite spirit, you see. And um, I want to just say, do not play God, okay? You, you're not this person trying to play God and trying to figure out who deserves your love. That's not what we are called to, okay? So you're giving because you're generous, not because they deserve it. This is so important. You're giving because you're generous. And that's the nature of God's giving toward us, isn't it? Right? He gave us because of his righteousness and his abundant love, not because of how we were. It's crucial we understand this. It's crucial that our giving and our generosity is God's kind of love. The 17th thing that generous people do differently is that generous people give to their workers over and above the required amount. Now, this is an important point, and some of you might be thinking, Paul, haven't you mentioned something similar before? And I've alluded to this before, but this is spaced repetition. It's so important in order to, add, to really get a revelation of something. It's important to keep on talking about it, but in different ways. So I want to show you a particular scripture. James chapter 5, verse 4. It says, Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. So wages are crying out against you, wages that were unpaid. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. This is a crucial point because there are many people praying for breakthrough who are Christians, but because of lack of generosity towards their employees. They're not getting breakthrough. And the Lord has heard their cries. The Lord has heard the cries of the harvesters. You see, workers need to be paid on time. That's the first principle. Even if it is uncomfortable for you to do so. You see, it must be prioritized. Sometimes I find myself realizing that, oh, it's the end of the month. Oh, it's the last day. Oh, I need to actually uh, pay the people who work for me. And there are times when, uh, and we're talking about domestic help here and so on, but there are times when it's not convenient. There are times when it's actually easier to just say to the guys, okay, cool, I'll pay you tomorrow. But these are people who are looking forward to that, right? They're looking forward to that. Sometimes they even act differently on that last day of the month or whenever their pay is due, you see? Um, <clears throat> now, here's the principle. You can also find ways to bless your employees apart from just their salary. So there's a way of going above and beyond uh, where it's not just the finances you give, it's other things that you do. One of the ways in which companies are cursed is because of prioritizing other expenses at the expense of paying salaries of those that are desperate for them. 
you know hey let's invest in these new gadgets let's invest in these new machines and so on that no one even knows how to use right but you've got people working for you who are struggling this is such an important principle to understand and to deal with very prayerfully you see you might be praying for breakthrough but at the same time there are people you have not paid look out for that look out for that employees will likely be feeling abused because the employer actually has power over them and they need the job so they can't come to you and just say hey i'm so upset with this and so on because they're afraid that you'll abuse them even further and you'll fire them or they'll be misunderstood i coach lots of people and sometimes you hear people saying no paul i can't say that to my boss it is career limiting they're afraid there's already a power dynamic that's there the proverbs 31 woman is described in proverbs 31 verse 15 as this she gets up while it is still night she provides food for her family so she was generous towards her family and portions for her female servants now she was generous to her female servants not just financially but also in terms of food and going the extra mile you see so this woman this proverbs 31 woman who we like talking about a lot was clearly generous to her workers and we should follow suit she was an entrepreneur and she was generous toward her workers it's important to think in terms of profit sharing arrangements at times when you get an extra good deal keep talking keep talking help them to understand that life isn't necessarily always easy for you because sometimes they overestimate how much money you actually have but engage with them and say hey let's believe god for this breakthrough and then we can share in the spoils together again very crucial to understand this we cannot compartmentalize generosity you can't just be giving sacrificial offerings at church but you're stingy as an employer you're stingy as a boss okay and then the 18th thing that generous people do differently and i'm closing with this is that generous people prioritize god's kingdom in their giving they make God's kingdom a priority. You see, we've spoken about different types of giving, but it's important to put God first. And in Haggai chapter 1, verse 4, I'm going to be reading in the Amplified Version. It says, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house of the Lord lies in ruins? Very important point. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house of the Lord lies in ruins. So it's not to say you can't have a nice house. It's not to say you can't uh, invest in uh, something that you're going to live in. But it's about the timing. And here it's saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house of the Lord lies in ruins? This is so important. And that's why it's crucial as we have things like building funds as a church a local church invests in land like many local churches do and says we want to build something here it's so important that people are saying while i'm on the one hand i'm building for my family and generations to come this is what i'm also doing for the kingdom could it be that we have worked on renovations for our own houses and we've prioritized all sorts of furnishings for ourselves and we give our leftovers to the local church in order to advance the kingdom. 
Could it be that? And I'm really not saying this in a manipulative way. Some of the greatest Christians I know, some of the people I love most dearly, have managed to balance the two, where God has blessed them with wonderful homes, but at the same time, these are generous people uh, in terms of their giving in the local church. I encourage you to go through these points prayerfully, these points that we've covered in terms of how we give. And uh, your breakthrough and the key to your breakthrough lies in being generous people. You see, the whole world and the rest of the church might not know what you are doing, but heaven will be applauding. Other people might look at you and they might say, mm, he's a crazy person. Why is he doing this? But heaven will be applauding. You see, uh, in conclusion, in Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through to 8, the Lord says, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? So God wants to be honored. God wants to be respected. But what's one of the ways we do this? Says, says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. Are you showing contempt for his name? But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? This is the answer. By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. So they had not prioritized the kingdom of God when it came to their giving. They were giving God their leftovers, the unwanted things, and they were keeping the best for themselves. You see, in this passage, God is clearly communicating something so powerful. He's communicating his feelings, his emotions around this. And that's why he uses this comparison with governors. Okay? And he's basically showing the fact that in this passage, God clearly communicates his feelings. I love the fact that God makes the comparison between himself and the governor. He compares how the Israelites treated their governors and how they treated him. A lot of people give their best at work, but at church they give their leftovers, if we're honest with ourselves. God values honor and he desires the honor that he's due. When you truly honor someone or something, it manifests behaviorally. And we've taught that a lot in our honor series. You give them your best. There's some people in congregations who are so excellent in the workplace. Everything they do at work has a high standard of excellence. But the minute they come into church, what happens? The standard of excellence disappears and they're just winging it. Let's be honest. You know, some people uh, in some of our congregations will come and they might tell me about the promotions and the awards that they've received at work. And when they share these testimonies, sometimes I can think to myself, why can't you up your game in the church context and also deliver with excellence for the kingdom of God? You see, giving your best at work, but not doing the same in the local church context, it's the same as offering God the blind animals mentioned in this passage from Malachi, and then giving to your governors something so special, something so wonderful. 
I want to encourage you as we've been talking about giving and being generous and creating a culture of generosity. Make sure that you put God's kingdom first. In conclusion, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul, quoting Jesus, he says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I opened this series with that particular verse, and it's so, so powerful. Let's have that revelation. Let's have this as a foundation in our lives that we will be generous people. I'm telling you now, that's a massive key to your breakthrough. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all those who've been a part of this series and who've listened to these messages. And I pray, God, that you activate in us true generosity and that the things that have been a barrier to us being generous people, that these things are uprooted from our lives, Lord, and that we keep pursuing you, having a revelation of how good you've been to us and how you are Jehovah Jireh, you are our provider, how you are so big, so magnanimous, and that we can also do likewise as we take after you, as we are partakers of this divine nature. So I pray, Father, that nothing that has been preached will be robbed from the people of God. We open our hearts to you and we say, come and do this deep work in us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. We love you.